I'm going to read uh, as an opening uh, for us to just ponder a little bit. Um, it's, uh, it is uh, actually, uh, if you want to read it, you can. It's on page 263, uh, part of lesson 137, When I'm Healed, I'm Not Healed Alone. And I'm going to read uh, paragraph 15, and then we'll just <clears throat> wait a few moments and just let it sink in, and then we'll start discussing only salvation can be said to cure. <clears throat> I can continue there. Okay. Let healing be through you this very day. And as you rest in quiet, be prepared to give as you receive, to hold but what you give, and to receive the word of God to take the place of all the foolish thoughts that ever were imagined. Now we come together to make well all that was sick and offer blessing where there was attack. Nor will we let this function be forgot as every hour of the day slips by, remembering our purpose with this thought. When I am healed, I am not healed alone. And I would bless my brothers for I would be healed with them as they, uh, as they are healed with me. Come back. <clears throat> Only salvation can be said to cure. Salvation uh, or the atonement or the end of separation. Any of those, uh, you can use those words to, to talk about salvation. And interestingly, cure is only uh, in actually three places here in this particular lesson in the psychotherapy pamphlet and also the song, uh, song of prayer. Let's see. Okay. Uh, before we got, get into the lesson, I actually want to read a couple of paragraphs. And I want to go to chapter on page 23. I'd like to start there. And I'm going to read second paragraph, fourth sentence. <coughs> Only the mind is capable of error. If everybody's got that page, it's, uh, it's uh, for healing as a release from fear. Only the mind is capable of error. The body can act wrongly only when it is responding to misthought. The body cannot create, and the belief that it can, a fundamental error, produces all physical symptoms. Physical illness represents a belief in magic. The whole distortion that made magic rests on the belief that there is a creative ability in matter which the mind cannot control. This error can take two forms. It can be <clears throat> believed that the mind can miscreate in the body or that the body can miscreate in the mind. When it is understood that the mind, the only level of creation, cannot create by itself, neither type of confusion need occur. So essentially what it's saying uh, is that um, the, I'll go back to the chart. Uh, this is form. This is where we're sitting. The, this is uh, our ego. This is the Holy Spirit. We came from, we were in heaven. We're still in heaven. There's a tiny man idea. Then at the same time that uh, we had this idea that we're going to be petulant children and go foray on our own. We came, uh, we left, tiny man idea, Holy Spirit uh, was the reflection of God's love, then uh, the ego was, was, was made. And at that time, uh, the ego created the world where we can hide. Uh, this, we cannot make um, the, 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 the body, what did I say? 
the physical body, excuse me a second, I need to get my, my bearings here. The body does not act on its own, it's simply a puppet. The, pup, the, the body can uh, respond to two thought systems, the ego or the Holy Spirit, and that's essentially what it's saying. It cannot, it cannot uh, do anything of its own. And I'm gonna read uh, paragraph three, sentence six. The body, if properly understood, shares the invulnerability of the atonement to a two-edged application. And that refers to um, the body uh, responding to ego or the Holy Spirit. Um, it's a two-edged sword. It can, it's still a puppet, but the thought system of the, of the ego or the thought system of the Holy Spirit. If it's the thought, thought system of the ego, um, it's not a pretty picture. We have illness. Uh, we, are, we're, uh, we are the result of guilt, which is something that created uh, the, the world in the first place. Now, if we use the body uh, being guided by the Holy Spirit, that's body, we are a form of communication. Um, okay, so where was I? This is not because the body is a miracle, but because it is not inherently open to misinterpretation. The body is merely part of your experience in the physical world. Its abilities can be and frequently are overvalued, overvaluated. However, it is almost impossible to deny its existence in the world. Those who do so are engaging in a particularly unworthy form of denial. The term unworthy here implies only that it is not necessary to protect the mind by denying the unmindful. If one denies this unfortunate aspect of the mind's power, one is denying the power itself. <clears throat> so although we know that we're, we're in this, uh, um, this world of form and there's pain and there is um, hurt and every conceivable form of that, we can't deny it. It's part of the guilt that we have to look at in order to, to heal and go home. So let's, that's what I need to read. And I wanted to get back to the lesson, 140, on page 270. What, uh, what healing is, <clears throat> healing um, uh, using, um, healing brings a problem to its source, the mind's decision to be an ego. Another major theme in this lesson is the first principle of miracles. No order of difficulty among them. Each problem is the same and no symptoms of sickness, emotional or physical, however painful the experience are no different from each other. So start with, with the word cure. And I'd rather use the word healing because uh, <clears throat> we're not curing anything essentially uh, uh, as part of this process. Um, and I'm not sure why Jesus used the word cure, although it's only listed in three places. <clears throat> Cure is a word that cannot be applied to any remedy the world accepts as beneficial. <clears throat> what the world perceives as therapeutic is but what will make the body better. The point is that um, magic will not heal the mind for it will not awaken you from the dream. So well, let me read a little further and I'll go back to that. <clears throat> when it tries to heal the mind, it sees no separation from the body where it thinks the mind exists. And this sentence is talking about both mental and physical um, healing. In forms of healing, I'm going to the next sentence. In forms of healing, thus must substitute illusion for illusion. <clears throat> One belief in sickness takes another form. And so the patient now perceives himself as well. 
this is for example, you have a headache and take an aspirin. The headache goes away and you feel better. There's nothing wrong with feeling better physically, but the real cause of the headache remains. So actually, there's nothing wrong with taking magic to help us feel better in the world of form. And actually, uh, Ken said in one of the earlier chapters, in chapter two, I think he said, that if we're able to, let's say we're in an incredible amount of pain, and we take some magic, it could be anything, to alleviate the pain, it could be mental or it could be physical. In order for us to align ourselves and to hear the Holy Spirit, that's a hope that's holy in and of itself. Because the whole point of wherever we are in our physical process, <clears throat> whether it's painful or there's a conflict, and coming to a point where we're able to align ourselves with the Holy Spirit is truly what we need to do in order to alleviate um, the, the things that are going on. And actually, <clears throat> even though we're in pain um, and we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit, that doesn't necessarily mean the body will stop hurting or will be painful. But the more we're able to do that, possibly uh, we're, we're able to um, alleviate it. Hey, Nidra, I yes. just want to make a quick comment. Um, since we're talking about magic in, in this dream world, I think most of us who study this course for a while realize that, hey, we're still circulating blood. We're, you know, we're taking in oxygen. And, and like you said, if we need to take an aspirin for a headache, okay, we do that. Um, but, you know, when I think of magic and, and um, healing as it pertains to healing, you know, it's not just the body. It could be emotional. It could be mental healing. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes I think of, uh, I've gone to a psychic to get information. Um, and, and in that, it's a form of healing. I, you know, because I wanted to know what's going to happen. Okay, I think I'm in this dream world and I'm going to respond using it to my benefit, um, just like astrology. Um, you know, if we look at astrology, you know, we can see certain patterns that are set up. Is it real? No, not according to the course's curriculum. But you know, um, I think to some benefit, using these as aids to guide us along this path that we think we're on, um, can certainly be a benefit to healing. Um, and for example, if we look at astrology, you know, hey, if, if there's a bad setup with the planets, at least you know it's coming. Um, do I do that all the time? No. Once in a blue moon, it, you know, it's fun. Okay, I'll dabble in it. But um, I just wanted to jump in and say that because I think there's other forms of magic that we can use in this in this illusion um, to our benefit. It's not always a detriment, but we can use it to our benefit. And um, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. <clears throat> and yes, and, and it also depends on the classroom. We all have our own individual classrooms. So uh, what, what magic, uh, since all of this is magic anyway, whatever I need to do in my classroom with magic in order to make me upright so that I can actually uh, listen to the Holy Spirit or make, go back to my decision maker and make a decision. I mean, that's, that's okay because being gentle on ourselves is part of the process of, of doing the work. So thanks for that. So yeah, it's, it's, it just depends on, you know, what our classroom is. So that, you know, that's, I would not use astrology in my classroom, uh, but you would use it in yours and that's fine. <laughs> It's what, it's what is in our classroom. I mean, whatever is going to help us uh, in our classroom. But don't forget our underlying metaphysics of, you know, what are we here to do? If we're studying the course, there's certain things that we need to do while we're doing the magic in the world of form. Remembering 
that our journey home is about doing the work. And one of the things I wanted to throw out there again is, uh, is the experience of, of moving toward the happy dream, which is what we really want to do, is, uh, is the experience of it. Uh, understanding the, the principles of the metaphysics, I love, I love it. It's a wonderful intellectual process. But does my brain get it? My brain doesn't get it. It's like really, it's really a lot and it's really out there. So I have to have a lot of faith in doing this. But what cements it for me is the experience. For me, this is the experience of it that's going to get me home. Um, so as I do the work and as I um, come across a principle that I'm working with and I, and I do it over and over and over, and I see the effect of that, that's my experience. I just had one the other day, just quickly, I want to throw it out. I was rather glum last week for a bit. <clears throat> Don't know why it was the weather, because we had like seven inches of rain. It was a lot, three days. <clears throat> so I was rather glum and I, I was, uh, and all of a sudden it just dawned on me, hey, I'm glum. I need my other teacher. And this was only a split second. I just said, nope. And I actually just in my, I sat in my little decision maker chair and I went over to the Holy Spirit. It changed immediately, just within a matter of seconds. Uh, my outlook was bright. I was no longer glum. And for me, that's healing. I healed in that instant because I was sitting with the wrong teacher. So in that instant was a healing, a holy instant. So we have a lot of those as we do our work for a journey back home. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. I wanted to uh, throw another wrench in the mess. Um, so basically, anything I'm doing with the ego is magic. Breathing is magic if I'm doing it with the ego. <laughs> Eating is magic if I'm doing it with the ego. Doing astrology is magic if I'm doing it with the ego. Doing astrology with the Holy Spirit, it, you know, it takes on a whole different purpose. And doing this book with the ego is magic. <laughs> we don't want to face up to that one. <laughs> we take this book very seriously. <laughs> it's and preferred do, magic. <laughs> That's good. It's my preferred magic. <laughs> my preferred magic. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and so um, anyway, um, yeah, it is magic. Everything is. So uh, working through all of that um, is, our, is our work. So I want to get back to where was I? Um, let's go to paragraph two, one, uh, sentence one. Uh, he is not healed. He merely had a dream that he was sick. And in the dream, he found a magic formula to make him well. Yet he has not awakened from the dream. And so his mind remains exactly as it was before. So during this, the guilt in the mind is safe. Nothing has changed. So as we do our magic, nothing has shifted. Um, which explains why we experience the body is sick. This allows us to conclude that the problem is not in the mind, but in the body. Our attention is thus directed toward making it feel better. As, as, the, as the clever ego reestablishes our mindfulness. The real problem, the mind's guilt coming from his decision to be separate is forgotten. This means that the cause of sickness remains and will continue to surface in the body through projection. Freud's symptom, he calls it symptom substitution. If you do not undo the cause, it, remain, it remains to generate other symptoms. You may or may not recognize them as such, but as long as there is guilt, it will inevitably generate some shadow of itself, our multitudinous symptoms. So we're never going to be away from something. Something is always going to happen. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. This is actually kind of funny. In the 1800s, um, when I was in psych class in college. And uh, in the 1800s, there's a bunch of doctors or psychiatrists uh, trying to figure out what's going on with women. And it, uh, they came up with something called the wandering womb. And the reason they did that is because there were so many maladies that women had that they couldn't understand. It was, if they had a headache, it's a wandering womb. If they had something in their foot, it's a wandering womb. Everyone's been trying to figure out why or to heal 
whatever it is, with a label, uh, with a symbol. And I remember in in uh, in the dormitory, we'd start laughing. You know, the food was bad in the in the in the cafeteria. It was a wandering womb. But even though it was the 1800s, we're still doing that today. We're trying to figure. Out, we're in the middle of COVID. They're trying to come up with a uh, a fix for it. And there's like how many scientists around the world coming up with their own variation of something to help fix it. It does, this doesn't end. We're always going to have something. So if we get rid of one thing, it's gonna come up. It's like the whack-a-mole. You hit it down, something's gonna pop up somewhere else. So can I, uh, can I use that excuse? My womb is wandering next you time I get that. a headache or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just hysterical. We used that, that we, we milked that for a long time. And uh, so it's just, the, <laughs> It's just the, that, you know, again, it's like whack-a-mole. And that's just the, once, once we know that, once we recognize that the physical will never, it's always going to be something with the physical or the mental forever until we shed this and, and go back home, until we get rid of the barriers that, that cause this, get rid of the guilt that caused this. All of those things are, are what we're working on. I don't know how many of you remember Gilda Radner on Saturday Night Live, but she always said, it's always something. And then I heard Jean Bogart say, it's never nothing. For people who are studying the course, it's never nothing. And I kind of like that. That's funny. <laughs> now, so paragraph two, four. <clears throat> He has not seen the light that would awaken him and end the dream. What difference does the content of the dream make in reality? One either sleeps or awakens. There is nothing in between. <clears throat> Let's see, I wanted to read. The problem is separation leading to guilt, which in turn leads to a physical world and a physical problem. The cause of separation is undone when we ask the Holy Spirit's help in recognizing there is no separation or guilt, and thus no physical world, body, or problems. Healing is accomplished, therefore, when we realize that all problems are the same. And a third paragraph, the happy dream. The happy dream, uh, in the happy, the happy dreams the Holy Spirit brings are different from the dreaming of the world, where one can merely dream he is awake. Happy dreams have nothing to do with a nicer world, they are dreams of forgiveness and doing the ego's unhappy dreams of attack and guilt. They thus happily correct the mind's thoughts of separation by reminding us of our shared interest with the sonship. And matter of fact, uh, let's see, in the manual, oh, that's not what I read. I have so many notes. Um, no, I forget, I can't find it. So it's a, a, the, their dreams of forgiveness. The dreams of forgiveness lets the mind perceive, the, dr the dreams forgiveness lets the mind perceive do not induce another form of sleep, sleep so that the dreamer dreams another dream. Forgiveness undoes illusions, though it is, it is itself an illusion because it forgives what never happened. We've already seen that unlike the others, Forgiveness does not breed further illusions, as do the ego's vicious cycles of guilt, attack, and attack defense. The ultimate purpose of forgiveness is to awaken us from the dream, as opposed to the ego's purpose of keeping us asleep. The ego's illusion of attack and separation have as their raison d'etre to keep sin real, but to see it in others. Such projections constitute the essence of the world's dreams of hate, the protection for the ego's secret dreams of guilt. Um, so, it's, so what our journey is, is to uh, not only forgive, and the, the forgiveness process is to see our brother as ourself, to see our brother's innocence. And that's our shared interest because as we do the forgiveness process, we're taking everyone home with us. The whole goal is to have us not be separate because we are one anyway, but we see separation. 
His happy dreams are heralds of the dawn of truth upon the mind. The happy dreams of forgiveness and healing are heralds of truth, foreshadowing its dawning by preparing our minds for it. They announce the truth, but in and of themselves are not the truth. The lovely section heralds of eternity describes this function of the holy relationship. Each miracle of joining is a mighty herald of eternity. I'm going to, let us go to 25th chapter. I'm going to do some reading from there. Let's go to page um, 522. It is the uh, second section, the Savior from the Dark. And paragraph eight. <clears throat> Excuse me. Within the darkness, see the Savior from the dark and understand your brother as his father's mind shows him to you. So when we're in the darkness, uh, we align ourselves with the Holy Spirit and we all are with Jesus. And we see our brothers as our father would see our brother, who is totally innocent. And that's what we see. He will step forth from darkness as you look on him, and you will see no, the dark no more. The darkness touched him not, nor you who brought him forth for you to look upon. His sinlessness but pictures yours. So as I see my brother, I see myself. I see myself as sinless and I see my brother as sinless. And that's our shared interests. That, uh, that's when a part of the barriers are dropped. We're, we, are, uh, we are one. And the more we do this, one person at a time, um, the closer we are to dropping the, the barriers. His sinlessness but pictures yours. His gentleness becomes your strength and both will gladly look within and see the holiness that must be there because of what you looked upon him. So that's our, my responsibility. My responsibility to see my brothers as sinless whenever I can remember to do that. Um, and, when I do, and when I do that, I can remember, I wish I had more, more instances or blocks of time where this occurs, when I'm in the happy dream. Um, I don't see anyone in front of me as, as sinful. I see them as myself. And there's such peace in that. There is um, contentment in that. And I remember those days when that has happened to me. Um, there isn't anything that could rattle me out of my peace. When, I'm in, when I've been in that state, um, and first of all, it's pretty awesome. But secondly, I also know that I'm doing the work. And uh, that's a holy instant. And fortunately, the holy instant has, had expanded because it, it was quite a few hours. Maybe it was the whole day, I don't remember. But being in that state of, of looking at the beauty of the others, whoever the other is, uh, was pretty uh, amazing, pretty astonishing to do that. And for me, that's the experience of the course. When I'm able to do that and be in the happy dream, when I'm able to realize that we're we are we are one we're the same um uh, there's nothing like that now sentence six he is the frame in which your holiness is set and what god gave him must be given you however much he <clears throat> however much he overlooks the masterpiece in him and sees only a frame of darkness it is still your only function to behold behold in him what he needs he sees not. So it doesn't matter whether the other sees the innocent in himself. It doesn't make any, make any difference. As long as I see it, if I see the Christ in him, that's, that's, that's the important part. That's the end game right there for me. In, um, in Walt Disney's uh, Peter Pan, I don't know why I remember this scene, but when Peter Pan first shows up at Wendy's house with the little kids, he's in the shadow and he looks like a demon. 
I mean, it, it's a pretty terrifying scene and it's portrayed that way. It's dramatic music in the background, like he's evil. And then he, then he steps out of the shadow and they see he's just like this little elfish kind of character. Um, but I mean, we're the ones that keep everybody, Peter Pan <laughs> in the shadow. We're the ones that choose to see him that way when we're holding a grievance. And so it's, it's me letting up on keeping my brother in the shadow uh, as I think it in this frame of darkness <laughs> in the shadow that that keeps me stuck. It's not, it's got like, like Nidra was saying, it's got nothing to do with him. It's keeping me stuck. Me in the darkness, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, and when you uh, do the forgiveness uh, process and you do the work, it is such a huge shift, huge shift. Um, I think I shared this before, one of the first times many years ago, <clears throat> when I actually got the aha moment, I was driving and there's this young man, uh, he had his pants, <laughs> they wear their pants down around their knees, lovely shade of underwear, I think it was Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> and so I immediately I go into, why isn't he in school? Why doesn't he have a job? What's he doing walking the street? Blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden I caught myself and went, oh my God, that, that child is me. That child is me. You are me. Oh, I can't judge you. Because <laughs> if I judge you, I'm judging myself. And all of a sudden it was the giant aha, like, oh, I get it. And my perception of that, of that uh, other uh, was just so totally changed. My heart reached out to him. And, um, oh, I'm getting terrible just thinking about it. And it just makes a huge shift. That shift is just, and I'm sure a lot, almost all of you have had that shift. I know you have. It's just uh, amazing when that happens. Where was I? Let's see. Um, and the last uh, sentence there is, and in this seeing is the vision shared that looks on Christ and said, uh, instead of seeing death. That is crucial that sentence and in this seeing is the vision shared that looks on christ instead of seeing death i just had this image of seeing all the guys on the screen wearing their pants down around their knees <laughs> you mean like an audience <laughs> yeah like like you know i'll back him up <laughs> like david instead don't start david don't start wearing your pants that way okay <laughs> Well, instead of seeing them nude in the audience, you can see them with their with their pants around their their. I don't know how they walk. I swear, and if they have to run, oh my goodness. So anyway, uh, it was it was uh, that was my first experience. Uh, uh, one of my first experiences with a huge reality shift, a huge shift, uh, and ever since then, it's been uh, so much easier. And once you have the first holy instant. Uh, you know, it just, they, just, they just come and then you recognize them. Uh, and then you recognize when you, like the other day, I just had my holy incident. I recognized where I was. We start doing that more and more. Okay, I'm going to go to <clears throat> chapter 10. I mean, I'm sorry, paragraph 10. Forgive your brother and you cannot separate yourself from him nor from his father. You need no forgiveness for the holy, pure, have never sinned. Give then what he has given you, that you may see his son as one, and thank his father as he thanks you. Nor believe that all his praise is given not to you. For what you give to his and giving it, you learn to understand his gift to you. And, and uh, it's so true. I mean, in, in the experience of this, it's a huge gift that I have no words uh, to even describe. <clears throat> and give the Holy Spirit what he offers unto the Father and the Son alike. Nothing has power over you except his will and yours, which but extends his will. It was for you, it was for this you were created, and your brother with you, and at one with you. So uh, the shared interest is the key to healing, period. That's it. I mean, the forgiveness process. Uh, this is the, the path to healing. Um, 
one person at a time, one, one experience at a time. I'll finish this out here with uh, <clears throat> paragraph 11, excuse me. <clears throat> you and your brother are the same as God himself is one and not divided in his will. And you must have one purpose since he gave the same to both of you. His will is brought together as you join in will that you be made complete by offering completion to your brother. See not in him the sinfulness he sees, but give him honor that you may esteem yourself and him. To you and your brother is given the power of salvation. That escape from darkness into light be yours to share, that you may see as one what never has been separate, nor apart from all God's love as given equally. So essentially, we're, uh, we're, we're an extension. We're at, through our body, which our body is used as, a, as, a, as the purpose, the holy purpose is as a communication device. And that's what our body is for if you're aligning yourself with the Holy Spirit. So in doing so, we're extending uh, the reflection of God's love. And that's the shared interest. And that's the healing right there. So let us go to one of my favorite sections, <clears throat> The Light You Bring on page 526. And I'm going to read uh, from the first paragraph. Anybody have anything to say before I start reading? Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, this is Stephen. Um, at the beginning, uh, you said uh, that you 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 didn't like using the word cure. I mean, you didn't like to, you would prefer to use the word healing. Uh, and in terms mm -hmm. of connotation, denotation, you, you know, the, the, way, the way this works for me, and I think it should work for everyone is whatever works for you. So, oh, but, but for me, uh, uh, cure, it's over. Healed, it's over. Healing is still happening. And that's why, that's it seems to me that's why the um the lesson title uh says salvation cure because it's saying salvation it's over is the, the way i see it cure it's over healing you're still forgiving on a regular basis you're still uh, kind of trying to get there but salvation and cure are the same thing healed and cure maybe the same thing but but uh, not healing because that's still occurring I just want to say that because right. it looks that way for me, uh, and it might be helpful for me to, to, to get it out in the open. Thank you. If I can add real quick to what Stephen was saying, I, I agree with that. And as I went through this um, the first time, my brain actually made salvation healing, so that salvation and healing were synonymous. But to cure was, again, the final step of all of it. But again, I think they're all basically synonymous. One just has verbs, and verbs need time, and Jesus doesn't use time. So there's that. Thanks to both of you. A really great, great point. It didn't dawn on me, but thank you for that. Excellent. Any, anybody else? Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, like when we first come across the course, the, the word we hear a lot initially is joining. I have to join with my brother. Like I'm not already joined. Like, like joining takes place when you realize you're already joined. Healing takes place when you realize there's nothing to heal. The cure takes place when you realize there's nothing to cure. I mean, that's the irony of the course. It's an already course. So all those words imply that, you know, from a behavioral point of view, from certainly from an ego point of view, all those words, joining and healing and cure, even forgiveness implies there was something wrong to begin with. <laughs> like something needed to be fixed here <laughs> and needed to get better. So, I mean, yeah. And, and once again, is, am I reading this with the ego or am I reading this with the Holy Spirit? Because I'm gonna, if I'm reading with the ego, I'm going to jump on <laughs> joining. Oh, that means I'm not joined yet. <laughs> I got to work on that. <laughs> There's stuff I got to do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, uh, there are days. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I do the work. Because there are days of like, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm in process, forever in process, it seems. But um, that's the work. 
I clicked on better. <laughs> I, I clicked on Byron Katie yesterday on a YouTube, and uh, you know she works one on one with people, and and the guy saying, and and he was working on this phrase in his head that I'm not enough. And Byron Katie's like, well, you're not enough for what? <laughs> I mean, whose purpose is this? <laughs> what are you talking about? You're not enough. <laughs> For what? <laughs> You're already enough. <laughs> yeah. If I can then, add to, 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 to Tim's comment about the, the not enough, if you haven't seen it, there's a, a wonderful uh, uh, clip, very short, from Jim Carrey at one of the award shows a few years ago where he uh, he's – called up to the podium and and the announcer says and here's you know three-time award winner jim carrey golden i think it was golden gloves and uh two, maybe it's two time and and and, and uh, he he walks up the podium and says yeah that's right this is yeah i'm i'm three two-time award winner golden globe award winner jim carrey and sometimes i lay awake at nights wondering if i can become a three-time award uh, Golden Globe Award winner Jim Carrey, and if that will be good enough, <laughs> and he's, I mean, he's just totally lampooning the, you know, the the, the silliness of the ego's uh, strategy for for always having some something dangling over your head to, as it, you know, some some unfulfilled accomplishment in the world kind of thing. But uh, I just thought it was really splendidly done. So, thanks, Bruce. And it's, uh, yeah, for me, it's the unlearning, you know, many many years of of creating my identity of the little bricks that, you know, have it is labeled. This is who you are. So it, for me, it's the unlearning of that, the, the, the getting rid of it, sloughing off of it. It's like sloughing off dead skin. You know, it's, it's a, and it's a process. And uh, intellectually, I know a lot of this as we all do. And again, it's back to the experience of it. Um, the more we experience uh, of it, the more true, the more it's true for, for me in my classroom anyway, the more it's true and the more I can, uh, the more I do. So um, it's an ongoing process. So let's, uh, there's any other comments? Let's go to the- You know, I'd, I'd like to say something. Sure. It's Monica. Hi, Monica. Oh, hi, Monica. Hi. Um, you know, to add to just to what you were saying, you know, I think that as we're on the journey of this, the uh, becoming more aware, you know, is, is such a big part of it. Just even being aware that, you know, I'm, I'm not in thinking with the right mind. Um, you know, my, my husband had um, heart surgery this morning, but looking back on yesterday, I mean, we were both pretty batshit crazy the whole day because we were in fear and reacting differently. I wanted him to lay on the couch and, you know, not move a muscle and prepare for surgery. His idea was, figuring out what new tires to get for the car, do some laundry, work out for an hour so that maybe he can have a heart attack before he goes into surgery today. I mean, it was like we were on two polar opposites as dealing with the fear, but the difference was that I remembered to keep asking to see this with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. It, it wasn't like, you know, the angels didn't start singing, but I was aware of what was happening and that you know there's really only two things going on love and fear love and fear so um just to acknowledge being in the process of becoming more aware i think is uh you know worth noting thanks monica yes it is and kudos to us yes kudos <laughs> to us, kudos to us. And because it, it, is, it is an ongoing process. And we have so many uh, lights along the way, which is, which is uh, I'm so grateful for. Uh, I feel so blessed when that happens. Because that all it does, it, it's, it's like, you know, like, I'm going to make, re redo this, and I'm going to make little flagstones <laughs> back up. Then every time I do something, I see a little light, you know, that's another flagstone for me, uh, for the undoing and, and moving closer to going home. So, um, yep, glad I'm on the, I'm glad I'm on the path. That's all I can say. So let's read, uh, five page, uh, 526. I'm going to read the first, uh, start with the first paragraph. Minds that are joined and recognize they are can feel no guilt for they cannot attack 
and they rejoice that this is so, seeing their safety in this happy fact. Their joy is in the innocence they see, and thus they see it. They seek for it, and thus they seek for it, and, um, and, and actually, I so resonate with that. And thus they seek for it because it is their purpose to behold it and to rejoice. Everyone seeks for what will bring him joy as he defines it. It is not the aim as such that varies, yet it is the way in which the aim is seen that makes the choice of means in, inevitable and beyond the hope of change unless the aim is changed. And then the means are chosen once again as what will bring rejoicing is defined another way and sought for uh, differently. I'm going to move over to paragraph three. You, maker of a world that is not so, take rest and comfort in another world where peace abides. This world you bring with you to all the weary tears and tired hearts that look on sin and beat its sad refrain. So as we, uh, and that's so the world, oh. It's, it is a very sad refrain. And my responsibility is to uh, see the, the other, my brother, differently as whole and innocent. And that's where peace abides in that process. From you, <clears throat> from you can come their rest. From you can rise a world they will rejoice to look upon and where their hearts are glad. In you, there is a vision that extends to all of them and covers them in gentleness and light. And in this widening world of light, the darkness that they thought was there is pushed away until it is but distant shadows. That's what we want. We want to see it in our rearview mirror. Far away, not long to be remembered as the sun shines them to nothingness. And all their evil thoughts and sinful hopes their dreams of guilt and merciless revenge and every wish to hurt and kill and die will disappear before the sun you bring. And even if they still continue to hurt and kill and die, it makes no difference because our work, my work is to see them who they really are because all of that is what they're, what they're the reflection that I, of my guilt I see on them, but I see, I think I explained this one other time. When I do my process, I don't see the individual with all the labels of I am this, I did this, this is what I did in the world. I actually see it apart from them, like a little screen attached to all the labels. When I part that, I see who they really are because the behavior is not who they are. The labels are not who they really are. So for me, it's easier to see my brother differently because of that. Would you not do this for the love of God and for yourself? For think what it would do for you. Your evil thoughts that haunt you now will seem increasingly remote and far away from you. And they go farther and farther off because the sun in you has risen that they may be pushed away before the light. They linger for a while, a little while, and twisted forms too far away for recognition and are gone forever. And in the sunlight, you will stand in quiet, in innocence and wholly unafraid. And from you will the rest you found extend so that your peace can never fall away and leave you homeless. Those who offer peace to everyone have found a home in heaven the world cannot destroy for it is large enough to hold the world within its peace. In you is all of heaven. Every leaf that falls is given life in you. Every bird that ever sang will sing again in you. And every flower that ever bloomed has saved its perfume and its loveliness for you. What aim can supersede the will of God and of his son? That heaven be restored to him for whom it was created as his only home? Nothing before and nothing ever after it. No other place, no other state, nor time. And nothing beyond nor nearer. Nothing else. 
in any form. This can you bring to all the world and all the thoughts that entered it and were mistaken for a little while. How better could your own mistakes be brought to truth than by your willingness to bring the light of heaven with you as you walk beyond the world of darkness into light? Anyone have anything to add to that beautiful? <laughs> That's so gorgeous. It's hard, to, it's hard to speak after reading that. <laughs> I, I think, you remember that song, I'm Walking in Sunshine, da, 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 and it makes me feel good. I think this is Jesus' version of the light. It really is. I'm walking in sunshine. <laughs> Don't we feel good? <laughs> and the beautiful part, I love it when, when uh, Jesus puts these parts in here, because it's a vision, you know, of where I want to plunk my body right here in this, in this section. And, the, and I, you know, as I say, the more work that I do, closer to this beauty is, is available to me. I mean, I know it already is, but I still have to do all of the unlearning. Uh, but in the meantime, I know that this is, this is what is available to me and to all of us, actually, as I do the work. So actually, um, I'm pretty much finished. I think there's, there's nothing else that I needed to say. <clears throat> I did want to read this final. Does anyone have anything else to say? I just want to read this one little sentence. Okay. Um, I actually would like to read a paragraph from 140 that I found pretty poignant. Sure. We didn't quite get to. Sure. Um, I don't have numbers on my paragraphs. I'm not even quite sure if I have the same book as most of you guys. So I'm just going to start. The sentence I'm starting with is today we seek. Okay. Today we seek to change our mind about the source of sickness. For we seek a cure for all illusions, not another shift among them. We will try today to find a source for healing, which is in our minds because our Father placed it there for us. It is not farther than from ourselves, from us than ourselves. It is as near to us as our own thoughts, so close it is impossible to lose. We need but seek it, and it must be found. And um, so when it says that we seek the cure for all illusions, I, sometimes I read these and it feels almost like a riddle. I, like if if like if you just change the, the definition, like changing salvation to healing, like it, it change the meaning a little bit. But here in the first sentence, before we seek the cure for all illusions, if we just move up two paragraphs, he tells us this is the thought that cures. Well, what is the thought that cures? It's the sentence right before that. There is no place where holiness is not, and nowhere where sin and sickness can abide. He's just telling us to acknowledge the truth that the world that we're living in is an illusion. It can't be here. And that is the thought that cures. And it is just the thought. It's just the belief that this isn't real. I, I feel like that might be the, like, the hardest thing for all of us to believe. Like, at one point, we all believed in Santa Claus, right? Well, how about we just believe the world isn't real? It's kind of hard to do, right? But that's the thought that cures, that everything is still one. Separation never happens. And I, I really found that pretty beautiful in this lesson. I really appreciate you for doing the lesson on this one today because you got my attention on it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a beautiful thought. And uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's the, it is, uh, that's the metaphysical uh, part that's the hardest to, for me to grasp is, you know, hey, it's an illusion. At some point, I, I know I'll get there. Um, but in the meantime, it's on faith that this is an illusion. And of course, in my, as, my, as I do the experience of one after another after another, uh, I'll come closer to understanding that I get that, that this all, is all an illusion. Um, uh, I, as a fact, I was, I, I think I'll bring this up now. I remember we talk about how, what, you know, what happens when Jesus, Jesus is quote unquote crucified, uh, as the theory goes, um, that uh, he knows that it's an illusion. So he suffered no pain. I think it was Babaji. I don't remember, one of the gurus. And um, I was reading this like a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he was, he had cancer, like so many of them die with cancer. Um, and he had cancer and he was in, on his deathbed, her body was dying. Uh, and, and his disciples were in the other room and they heard moaning. And so they ran into the room going, master, master, you know, can I help, you know, what, what is going on? He said, nothing, I'm totally fine. <laughs> he was looking at them like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm perfectly fine. And he's already healed he's already uh 
he already knows it's an illusion. He's not part of it. His, his body's there, but he's not. I mean, that's, that is the, the part when we realize that's how, when we realize there is no illusion, that is it right there. There's no illusion. and There's no illusion. I mean, it's all an illusion. I'm sorry. This is all an illusion. So I, um, I, as I was reading that, I was going, ah, oh, yes, that's another, that's another one. That's another instance. Because for me to, you know, quite honestly, for me to uh, grasp that is challenging. But I have faith through the process of the experience of doing the course. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's my truth. So thank you for that. I appreciate that, Alexa. That was, that was perfect. Um, and I just want to read this one sentence out of the, actually it's out of the psychotherapy pamphlet. <clears throat> Two sentences, actually. No one is healed alone. This is the joyous song salvation sings to all who hear its voice. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> any comments, any questions? <laughs> Here goes another brick, Nidra, you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Colleen. <laughs> yeah, there goes another brick. <laughs> brick in the wall. <laughs> Love you. Thank you, Nidra. Do I have something? Thank you. Thank you all for coming. Well, Raylene, Raylene's got some. Oh, yeah. I, I want to, first of all, I want to thank everybody for sharing what you said. It's been very helpful. Um, and I'm having an experience where now I'm seeing that the illusion part, because to just say, oh, the world isn't real is really far out for me, probably unless I were on a hallucinogen. But when I can think of okay, my lover isn't my source of or comfort or my job of my security or abundance, then I can grasp that that is an illusion to believe source is my source. So um, I just want to thank everyone for sharing what you had to share because it, it helped me out because I've read a lot of stuff from Christian Science, Mary Baker Eddy, and um, I love Joel Goldsmith. Well, thanks, Raylene. You broke up a little bit there, but I got the gist of it. I think we all did. Thanks for sharing. I wanted to uh, remind myself, um, in, when Alexa was reading that paragraph eight, today we seek to change our minds about the source of sickness. So the sickness is really, from Jesus' point of view, is always guilt. So the source of the guilt, the source of the sickness, we always put out there. It's the coronavirus. It's my boss. It's my job. It's traffic. You know, it's my own body breaking down, whatever it is. Something out there seems to be guilty and taking away my peace of mind. And so to change the source of that sickness back to the mind that this is actually a choice I'm making. Um, so in just to, like he says in the text, to remember, it, this is not about going around saying this is an illusion, this is an illusion. But the first part of the process is what if I'm not upset for the reason I think, and I know who's causing the upset. That's the gist of that. Like behind that sentence, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think there's a face, there's a, whether it's the face of a virus or it's the face of my finances or it's the face of my boss or it's the face of my job, whatever it is, there's guilt being put on something out there that says this is somehow messing me up. So am I willing to step, past that and see beyond that to what the real source of what's messing me up or what I think is messing me up. Meaning it, it, it's an outward picture of an internal condition. So I don't have to, the illusion part is initially is what I think is the source of my pain, what I think is, is the source of my guilt, which he's saying here, the source of my sickness is something out there. And, and what if that's not true? What if it's just some silly choice I'm making internally? would I be willing to step back and look at that? So, I mean, you know, eventually we'll get to the realization that we're not bodies, we're free, we're still as God created us, and all this is an illusion. But to get there, we start with the first illusion is, I think I know why I'm upset, which is an illusion. (laughs) That's what Jesus keeps telling us. I think I know who robbed me of peace. And am I willing to see beyond that like, like all the sections that we were reading, see beyond that was my brother. 
So it's easy to beat ourselves up, of course, students, because we don't think everything we see is an illusion. Well, Jesus isn't asking us to start with that. He's asking us to start with maybe the source of my pain is not what I think it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little bit simpler than saying everything is just an illusion and I'm a bad course student because I don't believe that. So we start with the bad guys. <laughs> There's lots of them. Pick one. <laughs> what, if, what if the, you know, what if I'm not upset for the reason I think and I, and I really don't know who the bad guy is? <laughs> so, so, yeah. Thank you for coming and having a, a Course in Miracles party. <laughs> yeah, really. Good Thank job, Nidra. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, Nidra. Thank you. Thank you.